Hi, today I want to start a new series of thoughts called Pursuit, specifically looking today at the pursuit of happiness. Last week I was in the United States of America doing some meetings and uh, had an incredible time, really saw the power of God moving in people's lives. But as I was on my way there on the aeroplane, I couldn't stop thinking about this statement, the pursuit of happiness. Now we know that a pursuit is when we set our heart, our desire hard after something. And I was thinking the whole flight to America about this statement, the pursuit of happiness. Now, obviously that statement is connected to a letter that was written by America to England way back in 1776 on the 4th of July. And we know that as the Declaration of Independence. And the Declaration of Independence was a document written by the American people to the English government, to the king of the land, saying, we don't believe you're ruling us as you should. We don't believe you're being fair to us. We don't believe that we're experiencing a life that we could under our own rule or reign. So we're leaving the rule and reign of England to become our own country, our own nation under God. And this very famous document is called the Declaration of Independence. And it was a declaration that said, we no longer want your rule and reign. We want to be autonomous, self-governing. And it also um, stated a number of reasons why we want to leave the rule and reign of England because of this. And there's a key statement that you read in this letter that was written on the 4th of July, 1776. And I want to just read this statement out because it was this statement that was really on my heart when I was traveling to the United States and thinking about a pursuit of happiness. So it says within the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They really are, aren't they? That they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So in this letter that we know as the Declaration of Independence, a statement was made that we don't believe under your rule and reign, we have the life and the liberty and the ability to pursue happiness in a way that we could if we were ruling ourselves. Now, again, history records the result of that letter, and uh, we look at it now as 247 years ago. And I couldn't help being a little bit cheeky when I was in America this trip, and uh, as I was introduced to preach, both in Jacksonville and New York, um, I opened up by saying hello, but then, hey, how's your pursuit of happiness going? And that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but they were very forgiving towards me. But it's a good question, isn't it? Not just in regard or relationship to the separation of England and the United States 247 years ago, but actually in regard to the separation of humanity from God's law, leadership, rulership that happened in the Garden of Eden more than 247 years ago. So without seeking to aggravate or annoy our American family and those who are watching from America, I really want to look at this comparison off of the back of the uh, Declaration of Independence made from one nation to another 
now looking also at the Declaration of Independence that happened in the Garden of Eden through the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. Because in many ways, even though they were being deceived by the serpent, even though they were being set up by the enemy, they really made a decision that was um, a decision that was was one of rebellion in some ways, one of um, just treason. That they were made and they were brought. And again, I'm not comparing now England and America. I've moved on in my uh, analogies. Now I'm talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. But they made a decision in the garden. They'd been created by God. They'd been made to enjoy every good thing that God had for them, including true life, true liberty and true happiness. But under the deception of the enemy in the garden, they were conned or convinced to turn their back on God's life, liberty and happiness to go in pursuit of another that they were told by the enemy was greater, better, more enjoyable. Now, history records that actually what took place in the garden that day was um, humanity turning its back on a position that it had to go on a pursuit of something that could never be achieved. Because we know that happiness, life, liberty aren't found in places outside of God. They're not found in the degree that we can know them in God from other things. But that was the mistake that Adam and Eve made, and we've all made being born into them and living by the decisions and the choices that we've made on our own. Have we been in a pursuit of happiness, liberty and life, looking for those things in places that we can't find them, when all the time God is there, omnipresent, ever-present, saying, hey, return to me. Why don't you walk away from your, your statement of independence of me and my kingdom and come back into my kingdom, and in my kingdom you will find all those things that your heart is in pursuit of. So a pursuit began in the garden that has continued for all man ever since that moment when they chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil over the tree of life. The Bible records, and we can read about this in the opening chapters of Genesis, Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, that God made a garden, a place of dwelling for them, where they had everything they could ever need in the measurements they could ever want. There was a tree in that garden called the tree of life. In fact, every other tree was created by God for their enjoyment. Yet there was one tree that God said, don't touch that tree. That was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the, the tree of I know better than you, God. I want to be in charge of my future, God. And God had said to them, don't touch that tree, because in that day, everything will change. And again, we read through those opening chapters of Genesis and we see they go ahead, eat the fruit of that tree and enter into separation from the garden and the relationship they once had with God before um, eating of that fruit. Now, as we begin to look today and over the next couple of weeks at this word pursuit, 
I want us to focus on these three things that are mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. The pursuit of life, the pursuit of liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But I want to approach them in a reverse order today. I don't want to start with liberty and life or life and liberty. Rather, I want to start with happiness. Let me ask you this question today. How's your pursuit of happiness going? Because we all have a pursuit of happiness. We all long to be happy. But you know what? Unless we're making God our pursuit, we'll never experience the happiness that we can. Only ever a second-rate happiness or counterfeit happiness, which don't get me wrong, contain an element of happiness, but never the amount that we can find in a living, vibrant relationship with God. So the pursuit of happiness, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Now, it's still man's pursuit today. The problem for man today is they pursue happiness looking in the wrong places. Now, I don't mean evil places or places that are wicked. A lot of the places that man pursues happiness today are actually places that are a part of our life and often a part of our life for, that God designed for us to know. But there are also places that if we're not pursuing God, will only ever give us a smaller measurement of happiness than what we can truly know. So what's some of the places that people pursue happiness today? Number one would be success. Oh, if only I can be successful in business. If only I can be successful and become a rock star. <clears throat> if only I can be successful in doing this, I will find happiness. And what they're saying is their happiness is found after the pursuit of finding true success. Another would be, sadly, addiction. A lot of people look for happiness in drugs, alcohol, and other things that give them not happiness, but a moment of joy that's not there in the next morning. It's only a moment of a degree of happiness, but often has a destructive price that has to be paid afterwards. But what about relationships? Relationships are God-given, aren't they? In the beginning, we read in Genesis that God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. And we read about how Eve came into being as a rib is taken from Adam, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. God designed for us to have human relationships. God's design was marriage. That's not a man-made concept. It's actually a God-ordained thing, marriage, the relationship of marriage, but also having friends, healthy relationships. All of these things bring an element of happiness into our lives, when they're good relationships, that is. But actually, sometimes people try to find a happiness in relationships that they can't find in certain relationships. And that's when they begin to draw from people things that only God can give them. That's when relationships can become unhealthy, toxic, um, not right, out of balance. 
Now, let me say again, relationships are a gift from God. God gave us relationships to enjoy, people to journey with. You know, marriage is a God design. Children, parent, child relationships, they're all relationships ordained by God. Yet when a person hasn't got a relationship with God, like I said earlier, they can unknowingly be trying to draw things that they think will create happiness from their wife or their husband or their children or friendships. And like I said, that makes relationships a lesser experience than what God intended for them to be. So what's the answer to that? Have a healthy relationship with God where he fills the parts within you that man, relationships, husbands and wives can't fill. Then actually all the other relationships in your life will become beautifully balanced and what they were meant to be. You know, myself and Gina made a decision when we got married that when we stood down the front of an aisle, when we committed um, covenant relationship to one another, when I said I do and so did she, we'd made an agreement already that for each of us, first it was God. That in our lives, mine and hers, the first, the greatest, the most important relationship in our lives would be God. Now, don't get me wrong, the very next person under God was each other. So in some ways, it was like we were saying, first God, then everything else belongs to you. There's a godly order to that. Why? Because when you get the happiness in your life that comes from a living, vibrant relationship with God, suddenly then you're not drawing from another person. Rather, you're walking with another person enjoying the degrees of happiness that come from those God-given relationships. So we could look at success, we could look at relationships, we could look at promotions, we could look at all of these things and say they are things that people go in pursuit to find happiness from. The problem is, like I said, most of these other things can't satisfy you, even if they wanted to. They can't satisfy you like God does. I love the way that Jeremiah puts this in the, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, and uh, verse 13. See, the pursuit of happiness isn't a modern problem. It's been a problem since the Garden of Eden, when man tried to find happiness and contentment for things outside of God. They instantly began to hit walls. Listen to how Jeremiah put it. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, that's crime one, the fountain of living waters, to make for themselves cisterns or bowls, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Can you hear what Jeremiah is saying? God's saying, listen, I've got two problems here and you've got two problems as well. Problem one is you've turned your back on me, just like Adam did in the garden. You've turned your back on me, the one who provides true living water and happiness. And number two, you're going around frantically trying to find the happiness that I provide as your God from other things that can't give it to you. 
the job, the promotion, the employment, the relationship, all of those things in comparison to what God can bring into your life are nothing more than broken cisterns. Another great example of this we find in the book of John. And I'm talking about that moment when Jesus speaks to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Because again, Jeremiah used the prophetic language of you've turned from the true living waters that God provides to other stagnant pools. But suddenly we see in John chapter 4, this lady, and again, she's in the pursuit of happiness. She's been going through one relationship after another. When Jesus questions her about her relationships, she says, yes, you're absolutely right. There's a number of people I've been married to. The person I'm married, I'm with now, I'm not married to. There was a history of divorce. There was a history of adultery. There was a history of unfaithfulness. That was the fruit of her life. What was the root of the issue? Probably she just wanted to be happy. And she felt that relationship could bring her that happiness or the happiness she desired or crave could be found in a relationship with a man. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts speaking to her about real happiness, lasting happiness. And he terms it as Jeremiah, as something compared to water. Now, Jesus goes to the well, you know the storyline. He says, draw me water. <clears throat> she's surprised because she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. Um, the time of day he was there, which meant she was uh, isolated from her community. So many different facets to this storyline. But I love the way that when she questions Jesus, he gives her response concerning the pursuit of happiness. And let me read this to you. It's in verse 13 and 14. This is what Jesus says in response to her questions. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. What was he saying to her? The same as what he says to us today. If you try to find happiness drinking the water of this life, what this world or this world system offers you, you will thirst again. But then he says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them shall never thirst. But the water I will give them will become in them a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus is saying, don't drink from the broken cisterns that the water that comes from this life can offer you. Rather come to me. Let your pursuit of happiness be aimed at me. And in me, you'll find water that fulfills you, doesn't leave you wanting more in the morning, but also lasts not just for this life, but for eternity. Jesus offered this water to her, but he also offers this water to us. To every person that's been born into Adam naturally, Jesus now says, be born again into me the last Adam. Jesus said, step out of the rebellion and the treason of Adam, who turned his back on what God was providing. Rather now in Christ, let's come back to God and say, we don't want the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't want 
the water that comes from the broken cisterns of this life. Rather, we come back to you, God. We renounce our independence and say, Lord, let us be a part of your kingdom. Let our lives be under again your rule and reign. Now, like I said, this makes other things become what they were meant to be. If you don't find your true happiness in God, you will always, like I've said, be trying to make other things give you happiness they can't give you. But the moment you find the end of your pursuit, happiness in him, suddenly all of those other things that you were squeezing to get it become things that actually do give you happiness. Now, this is mentioned in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. Remember, Jesus said these simple words, seek first the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added to you. Again, the context of this statement came from Jesus speaking to his followers, saying, don't be like unsaved people. Don't be like heathens or pagans or people that don't know God, that don't have a relationship with God, that seek other things to bring them happiness that their craving soul desires. Rather, Jesus said, no, turn it around. If you seek first the kingdom of God, if you make a relationship with God, a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the greatest pursuit of your life, then all of a sudden, it won't be about you having to go and get things through strife. Rather, you'll see, Jesus promises this, the Father add those other things to your life and put his blessing upon those other things. You see, if you're looking to other things, good things, to give you the happiness that only God can give you, in some ways, we're making those other things idols. When we think of idols, what do we think of? Strange, disfigured ornaments that people from other nations and cultures worship? No, it's a lot simpler than that. An idol is actually anything that we put in front of or before God that stops God being first in our life. I believe that we're in a moment where God is saying to us, kick your idols down. Kick your idols down. Other things that have left you dry, left you wanting, left you frustrated. Don't look to those things anymore for your happiness, but look to me. And as you seek first me and my kingdom, I know all the things you need in your life. Like a loving heavenly father, I know the things that make my children happy. I know the things that you need, but also the things you want. But it's got to come in this order. God first, everything else, second, third, and fourth, including every relationship in our life, every pursuit of success, and every other thing that offers us happiness. 
Hope this has made sense to you today. I just want to encourage your hearts one more time. Make the greatest pursuit of your life to find the happiness that God desires for you to know in him. When you find your happiness in him, suddenly you find a rest, but also you find him bringing all the other things into a place where they fulfill you, bring you happiness more than they ever did before. I hope this has encouraged your heart. We're going to continue next week with this series of thoughts called Pursuit by looking at the pursuit of liberty. Remember the three things that were written in the Declaration of Independence was every person made by God has a right to life, liberty and happiness. Today we've spoken about the pursuit of happiness. Come back and join me next week and we're going to speak about the pursuit of liberty or another way of putting it, the pursuit of freedom. God bless you.